0: Welcome back to the Backyard Buddhist Podcast. I'm Ron Powell McLean. Hey guys, and happy Christmas and happy New Year, happy holidays all together. What's today? The 27th. So it's been a couple days since Christmas. I had a nice. A nice morning with my husband and my dog. She made out like a bandit, of course. Because she is the princess. (laughs) She got the most adorable little... um, It's like a felt teepee with a little bed in it. So she can go curl up in there and be... We call it snuggle buggled. <laughs> so she'll be snuggle buggled in there. She got um, a sweater and some doggy shoes or little boots, which was really pretty entertaining to watch her um, trying to learn to walk in. She was really good about it, though. She's a smart girl. So I enjoyed that. And she got extra treats for walking around the house in funny shoes. <laughs> so. I think it was a win-win for everybody. (laughs) Uh, But it was a nice, nice morning. And unfortunately, my husband had to work. He works at a family fun center, which I cannot figure out why they're open on holidays. But people go and they're busy. So it's odd to me. But so he ended up working at like a 10-hour shift that day. And not long after he left, I... I got my Christmas gift of a migraine, which is, you know, nothing new for me, but it put me in bed for like four hours and I just slept through a a big chunk of it. I think I'm still having some after aftershocks or after effects from it, but you know, it's, it's part of my practice. And a lot of the reason that I found this practice was through, migraines and, you know, just reactions happening in my, in my life, in my, in my body. So I know what to do. And I focus toward the pain. Um, I used to try to just get away from it. So I would focus the furthest away from my my headache as I could. Um, I would actually focus on like the bottom of my foot and which is a very neutral area for pain or even pleasure. So there's just neutrality when you're laying there, sitting there. So I used to try to do that a lot. Um, And I've learned as my Buddhist practice has progressed, I guess is the word for it, um, I've learned to not lean in and throw myself into the pain, but turn toward it and examine it. And by doing that, I can see my own reactions to those those discomforts and displeasures and even the the subtleties of just being uncomfortable with and wanting it to be over that there's a lot of reactivity in there. So if I turn toward that and examine it and spend some time with it, it often lessens the burden and the the thrall of the suffering. So that's a lot of what I did yesterday or day before yesterday, I should say, because this is two days after and um I had a good morning today. We had our our Sunday service for Kansas City Buddhist Center. I, I stream it online live, and it was lovely. I I just like the the feeling and the sensation of knowing that my Sangha and those who are practicing, are tuning in and watching and practicing with me. Although I can't, I can't see them, I feel them. And I, you know, of course I get the occasional email and um, or text message, my my close group, my senior group will often text me and comment on the service for the day. And so it was lovely and then I was exhausted. So I went back to bed. I figured it's a Sunday after Christmas and before New Year's. So I'm gonna take a take a nap. I don't get to do that a whole lot. So I did. Took a little nap and got up and just been hanging out with Aurora, my dog. She is just being adorable. And of course that includes barking at everything that moves outside. So that's been a little bit of a challenge. However, I digress. So it's been a good day. And my husband got me a new uh, cell phone for Christmas, spent too much on it. But, you know, I am pretty cheap, (laughs) pretty cheap when it comes to cell phones. I don't know about you, but the idea of spending, you know, hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands or $1,000 on something that I can put in my pocket um, makes me a little bit nauseous. So um, I pretty much um, am a cheapie and I've been using a phone that my sister gave me when my, my iPhone died. And it was during that period that, apple decided that they wanted to throttle back the speed and functionality of the older phones um and they did and it was ridiculous and i got a little uh, teed off with that and decided i was gonna try out an android and i really like it so he got me a a new one so i went from like a, a galaxy 5 to a galaxy 20 which is the <laughs> which is the uh, equivalent to a Razor scooter to a Mercedes, I think. <laughs> so I've been um, enjoying the getting the, the phone all ready to use. Actually, I am using it as of yesterday morning. Got, a, got it all hooked up and switched over. And so now I'm putting apps on that I never had the space to do on my other phone so now I can order, I can order food <laughs> from my phone. I don't have to run to my laptop and do it. So that is exciting for me. So it's been it's been been pretty chill around um, around this place for the last few days. and I've been doing a little reading and a little bit of crafting and just you know, taking a little, little self-care time. I've been working on some big projects, as I had mentioned, trying to get a 28 day meditation challenge ready to launch the first of the year. So I've just got a few days left of that. And so I've been a little uh, under the gun and I, I would say a little bit stressed out, you know, just with the timeline looming, um, getting everything done and done like I like it, which means I'm being a perfectionist. (laughs) But I see that and understand what I'm doing. And sometimes I just need a little break from it. So yesterday and today were breaks from it. Um, I'll get back to it after, after a little while this evening. It's still fairly early and my husband works late. So I'll get some more recording done and I'm excited for the end product to be rolled out. And I have a few people who are very excited to uh, start doing it (laughs) right off. So I like that. So I had some questions, um, as I had mentioned last week, we were just finishing up our Foundations of Buddhism class and some folks asked me about um, offerings and the altar and, and that sort of thing. So I, I should, actually I'll post some pictures of my home altar, which if you, if you watch the daily meditations or the Sunday service or the chanting or anything like that. I usually just do it right in front of my home altar, which is, it's fairly elaborate for a home altar. Um, but that's how I roll. (laughs) So, um, so my answer to what should go on the altar is I like things that are representations of the body, speech, and mind, particularly the, particularly the wisdom of the Buddha, the living Buddha. So the body, speech and mind. So we have, um, you know, the Buddha figure of, you know, a serene being sitting still, um, but alive. (laughs) That's the idea. Um, I have, uh, some statues of guanyin i have a statue of uh, long which is um particularly important for me i am drawn almost immediately i was drawn almost immediately into the teachings and the dharma of long it makes a lot of sense to me and it sort of takes me to that instant understanding so I spend a lot of time with the um, the volumes of Longchenpa, Rabjam. Um I have a few other things, like there's uh, some crystal and a stupa and a Prayer, a couple prayer wheels. One that's a hand prayer wheel that's on a stand, and the other one is um, you can just walk by and spin it. Um, Incense offerings, candles, a uh, bumpa, just a few different things. Um, Yeah, (laughs) there's a lot of stuff. But um, it's really an offering to my sensibilities of. Wisdom and each of those things, each of those representations takes me to a place of wisdom and points me toward the wisdom that I'm being shown. So that's important to me. And I find altars to be very personal. I have uh three large tonkas um, one of kungta zangpo, kungta zangmo, the yabyum. Um, in the center and I have Vajrasattva on the left and Green Tara on the right. Um, these are sort of the three pieces, three of, three of the four pieces I should say of my practice. The fourth would be Chenrezig. Um, I particularly like the thousand armed Chenrezig. Um, so those mean a lot to me. So I have representations of those. Um, but as for offerings, I love a good water, water offering. I love a good incense offering. I don't um, often do the incense offering, um, while I'm, um, streaming live. Cause in a small space like this, it tends to, uh, choke me. <laughs> so that's not good. So sometimes I will, um, Maybe burn a piece of incense, a stick of incense um, before, maybe even the night before. So there's still a lingering scent in the air, um, but not um, smoke in the air. So things like that. But when we think about offerings, I really think about how we are offering up to our awakened awareness. This is an important, important element um, that what are we offering to? Are we offering to a deity or being outside of ourselves and trying to win favor? Or in my practice, it means offering to my greater awareness, my awakened awareness. And that can be in any form. It could be in offering the words of teachers, words of Dharma. It could be the offering of beautiful scents, like incense. The water offering is, is important to me because of the way that it is done and that you think about the dharma being shared. And as you pour the water into the first bowl of seven, then some of that water is shared to the next and then shared to the next and shared to the next all the way across so that that one dharma is shared with everyone. And then there's a filling filling to the brim for everyone. So there's everything we need is there. It's represented in the water and the water represents Dharma. So that's important to me. But I think one of the most important offerings that I try to really understand and be aware of as it arrives, because it's not necessarily of my doing, but when others, other beings show us where we are stuck, they do something or say something that just gets us hooked into a habitual way of reacting Sometimes we shut down. Sometimes we speed up or get all worked up. It's that that specific button pushing that gets us to react. We walk around feeling all bodhisattva pride, you know, of how we're, we're calm and enlightened beings. And we may even talk with a soft voice and sound like wisdom is is abundant and then somebody ticks us off and all of that is out the door i think um ani Pema Chodron calls it shenpa getting hooked getting hooked by that thought getting hooked into that reaction and being dragged away into a habitual and um, unconscious response and to me that is the greatest the greatest thing that we can offer is the awareness of that button being pushed. The awareness of that, uh, that reaction arising within us at the moment that it catches fire and begins to burn. That moment is what we should be offering up. Offering up to awareness and say, see, look at this, take, take a look, understand, learn from this. This is the Dharma. This is the Dharma in action. So when we can see our own reactions arising, it's so powerful. We start to see our patterns and then work with them honestly. And compassionately work with those reactions, understanding what what provoked them. Instead of just remaining ignorant and shoving it under the carpet when nobody's looking and going, okay, well, that was a failed moment and pushing away from the table and walking away. Instead, pull your seat up. Sit there, examine, what is this? What is this reaction? Who is reacting? What is reacting? And why? What button was pushed? Sometimes in our insight, we can see the connection to maybe some trauma, maybe to another event in our lives that has uh, helped to create that response sometimes it's just downright habitual and we react in the same way that we've been trained by our parents, our grandparents and aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters been taught to, to arrive at anger and ticked off and led around by our like and dislike. I always say that those are the, those are the, the easiest and closest trip hazards to our practice is when we start labeling thing as, things as like, I like it or I don't like it. It's the easiest trip hazard to, to lose your practice. As soon as you say, I don't like that, it means I don't want that. And immediately the suffering resistance goes up. Suffering resistance goes up and we start to react in a poor way. I don't want that, I want it to go away. I don't want this headache, I don't want this argument, I don't want this this condition. So we start to to ponder, how do we get out of this? How do we manipulate our way out of this to, to stop having this experience? Or the other side is that we really like something and oh, I love that, I love it, I love it so much. And then when it begins to go away or we start to think maybe there's a chance that it could go away, that we then strike the match of suffering. That I love this thing so much and I never want it to go away, but I think it might because it has an independent thought itself, like a person or a pet. Or maybe it's an object and we know that all things all things living and object are subject to impermanence so when we start to sense that that becomes uncomfortable our own human bodies we think oh i love this body i love i love the way it looks i love the response that it gets from other people and then it starts to fade in ways maybe it maybe there's some weight gained, or maybe some aging happens, or an injury happens, and we it starts to degrade our value, our perceived value of our physical form. And there's the match that is struck, the suffering of that dissatisfaction. How do I hold on to? You know, youth, how do I hold on to um, physical fitness? How do I hold on to health? And there's a a strong discomfort when we can't control that. Not 100%. You can sure try. And sometimes that leads to other discomfort. So (laughs) keep that in mind. But this is all how we learn. This is the, the, the ripest fruit that we, can, that we can sink our teeth into is this experience of our own discomfort. And it's often provoked by other beings, by other people. And we instead turn that into dislike and disenchantment with that individual rather than to not make it about them at all, but instead take it as the opportunity to understand your own experience, to understand and see your own reactions. This is so, so very important. You must, you must endeavor. And if not in the moment, Hopefully soon after, in hindsight, you can look at what's going on. You can look at your experience and say, ah, okay, from this vantage point where I'm a little more calm, I can see what happened. I can see the, the connection of the events. I can see where I reacted. I can see what's happening. And we can often find the path right there. And remember, what we always say is that the light of awareness sanctifies everything. When we can really understand what it is that's happening while it's happening, we have the opportunity to shift our reactions. It's just that simple. It's spontaneous. It's here. And now it's not a gradual thing that you're going to learn over the next 20 years. It's a right here and now thing because you are paying attention, pay attention. It pays off right here. And now understanding your own reactions. And maybe you're reacting to, you know, someone's voice, you're, you're reacting to what you're perceiving as who they are and you're just eh, judging and having a reaction that way again look for the opportunities in each and every moment that's what we're training ourselves to do so when we sit down close our eyes and and twist up our legs sitting on the floor trying to look like calm <laughs> like calm peaceful serene beings and our heads are are popping off like popcorn poppers that we're trying to slow things down enough that we can experience that reactivity see it hear it understand it and get ahead of it we train in this way so that when we get off the seat and are bumping around in our in our normal experience in our normal lives we can hopefully learn to see it as it's happening there and it's really not difficult sometimes what we see In ourselves is difficult. And that's another reaction. Be kind and compassionate and patient with yourself. As you pull those things apart, as you dissect and examine, what is this? Who is reacting? Where is my reaction? Is it my reaction or is it a reaction? These are important things. These are important things so then we can learn to take that, when we find that discomfort, we see that discomfort as it arises. Somebody pushes a button, that discomfort arises, and we can take it in, not push it away, not try to hide it under the rug, but actually take it in, wrap our arms around it, and compassionately examine, examine what it is. It's a reaction. At least label it as such. There's a practice that I don't teach. Um, I don't teach in general settings. Um, I have uh, taught it a little bit to my uh, senior group, uh, which is called Tonglen. <clears throat> and this, in this practice, you're you're sending happiness out to others and taking in. The suffering that others feel. And I I don't teach this a lot because in a general setting, if you don't understand how to take in your own suffering, it's it's not safe or healthy to take in others' suffering and try to transform it. When you can transform your own, then you can step out and easily see others' suffering and help them to calmly and peacefully transform that experience, that reaction, that reactivity, by not getting sucked into it yourself. So very important to know and understand that when you see your own suffering, that you must take it in and transform it. And sometimes it's as easy as labeling it to transform it, ah, thought, ah, emotion, ah, reaction, ah, sensation. When we can just label it and sort of examine it in that way, that it's not my reaction and it's not my pain or my pleasure or my, 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 that you can just see it as reaction, as thought, that's happening in human vessel. We're all experiencing this through this human vessel, this human skin, human mind, human brain, and all that that, all that that is. So when we can turn that within and just transform it into compassion, understanding, kindness, Patience in an altruistic generosity, an altruistically generous way. We turn that around, transform it, and therefore have transformed the energy from something negative to something of understanding, something of compassion and goodwill. When we can learn to do that, Specifically for ourselves, we can do that for every other being, no matter how difficult they show up or how many buttons they push of yours. We should be grateful when people push our buttons because they show us where we are stuck. So, where are you stuck? Keep your eyes peeled. Keep your ears open. Click up your curiosity so that you're aware and awake when your reactions begin. That's where the rubber meets the road, my friend. So don't overlook it. It's right in front of you. Now, if you need some stimulation, you can go turn on your television. on on any news or news commentary i bet you can get some some awakened reaction <laughs> i know i do it's easy to fall into that but it's also easy to train ourselves to see our reaction and my reaction then is to either change the channel or remove myself from the experience, which means leaving the room, or stop paying attention. Stop paying attention to that which is um, leading to that tempting, tempting goddess of irritation and automatic response that place of Shenpa getting all worked up pulled away from our calm and serene platform so be awake and aware it's a good way to embrace this new year as things get the big The big control alt delete. For those of you who are not a tech head like me, um, that means your reset button. (laughs) So, so we're resetting rebooting. We do it every year. At least we have the expectation that we're going to let the, the previous year be the previous year and we're going to start anew, but also watch your expectations as that begins to roll out. Your expectations that things are going to be better. They'll be better when you are better. When you're awake and aware, and you see that for every reaction, there's an equal and opposite reaction. For every bit of light, light there is dark. For good, there is bad. For like, there is dislike. These things are all simultaneously firing the same experience and you can choose. When you're awake and aware, you can choose where to put your energy. And that is what changes the experience. Remember, middle path is perpetual okayness. So we're coming from that middle ground, always from the middle ground, not the extremes of extreme dislike or disillusionment or super joy on the other end. We're coming from the middle and Therefore, it's easier, it's easier for us to see things as they are and react and gravitate toward what is joyful and what is happiness. Seeing the other as present, but not warranting our attention or evoking an automatic response. Super important. So I hope in this year that is coming up that you are practicing every day. Meditate every day. You're just sitting around and turning your awakened awareness to the spot, the moment that you're in, the experience that you're in. It can be for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. If you don't have time for all that, make it an hour. And shift, shift yourself, shift your attention to the benefit of all beings and starting with you. Have a great and safe New Year's Eve. And I wish for all of us to be safe free from suffering in our new year. Goodbye now.